0: Last discussion, um, I gave a lot of thought to Metcalfe's law, believe it or not. and it struck me. It, it struck me that Metcalfe's law really only deals with one aspect of, of networks. Uh, for anybody listening, uh, Metcalfe said that uh, the value of any network is directly proportional to the number of nodes. So, a telephone system with with ten nodes is a curiosity. A hundred is interesting. Ten thousand is um, kind of good. Or but,
1: just you know, basically,
0: the, as you add nodes, the network becomes more valuable. Exactly. But in the whole concept of of micros, my, the the concept of micros is different. Uh, in in the vanilla network uh, it's assumed that all the nodes are equal in the micro uh, node uh, you probably don't want to assume that equality for the simple reason that you're not going to network everybody and so uh, the value of the network is is directly proportional to the to the value of each node and if you have a lot of really good uh, people that you're networking with, people that com- contribute contribute value to whatever you're doing, then that's good. If you've got a bunch of people that you're, you're sort of just pen pals with, um, that's probably not as good. So uh,
1: one of the things that uh, in experimenting with the app that we are, are using uh, in conjunction with Gilmore Gang and GGX, uh the so-called audience and the so-called uh, uh, people being added as nodes uh, are one and the same. So the the uh, the people that are consuming or interacting with the information uh, or the assumed micro network that uh, has a certain common interest; uh, they are a significant part of the equation, and as represented in my mind by the metadata that flows uh, around the information that we perceive as being so-called content.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. The metadata—I mean, can you even call it metadata, or is it just part of? it's—it's it's information. It's part of the information flow. But
1: tapping into that metadata flow uh, and separating it and potentially at least uh, anonymizing it so that it becomes uh, additive social signal, I think, is a, a
0: huge part of the opportunity of
1: micronetworks right now.
0: I would agree with you. It's, it's, it's all about um, uh, adding value and, and providing a valuable, valuable signal. I mean, if you if you wanted to make a comparison, uh, um, a railroad, a nineteenth century railroad, is is that way. It's not it's not a uh, uh, a network that can be infinite. It's it's got it's got discrete points and uh, two termini, or a couple of at least two termini, and uh, you you really. The, the value, the the, the the railroad makes money by connecting large population centers, valuable population centers, if you will, uh, not by connecting, uh, you know, one, one horse towns.
1: So uh, I was kind of uh, interrupting slash uh, <coughs> appending uh, what I just said, and uh, I hope I didn't. Disconnects you from where you were going with the whole idea about Metcalf's law.
0: Well, I think that was it. Uh, you know, it, 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 we probably, when you look at Metcalf's law, um, it, it, it 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 has one idea, and I'm thinking now that Metcalf's law is really uh, probably going to be a collection of you know, two or three. Uh, discrete ideas that are related, sort of like uh, not to get too high highfalutin about it, but maybe like, like the laws of thermodynamics. Go on. Well, uh, you know, th- th- there, there are three principal laws of thermo- thermodynamics. I, I don't even know if I can recite them all. The conservation of energy, uh, entropy and something else—I don't know what—and uh, it strikes me that Metcalf's law: uh, there has to be a uh, a statement for uh, commercial networks of, of of equal value in which the nodes are um, relatively passive, at least from from the standpoint that um, they they connect each other on a on a more or less equal basis and they pay some, some tariff on a monthly basis and the, in the, the, uh, network owner receives compensation from that. And that's how they make money in a, in a micro network, as, as we've talked about briefly here. Um, and I, am not, I, I'm just hypothesizing this. I'm, I'm not some great thinker, but it, in, in what we've just discussed, um, we recognize that there is a difference in value of the nodes of the network. And uh, the, the value of each individual node is what makes the network valuable, not the size of the network. So, so okay, that's good. two things. All right. Another? I don't know.
1: Okay. So uh, let's talk about the uh, impetus for utilizing this apparent uh value uh let's talk about the election uh great example okay Uh, how do you apply that to uh what the what's the problem and how do micro networks uh uh solve any part of that problem
0: well it strikes me that the micro network is is very focused on, on on delivering true truth delivering knowledge and um, wow. not not everyone who can who creates knowledge cre- creates um uh, yeah the, has the ability to influence uh peers uh, is is on the same level i i think you know just to pick some random random people george will is probably a more valuable node in a in a network talking about uh, the, the elections than Dennis Pombriant.
1: But you you both uh, as you know nodes, and hopefully we can get away from uh, using that word uh, incessantly. the uh, uh, The common value proposition is that you you know you may perceive George Will to be uh, more knowledgeable uh, or more connected as an expert or an apparent expert to than you are, but uh, you both may have insights and perceptions about the situation uh, politically and how it's being represented in the media uh, that are equally uh, expert.
0: I don't know. I, I I want I want to believe that, but. Um... Uh, I, I would also say that uh, I would also say that this setup could could be seen as non-democratic uh, neither pro-democratic or anti-democratic which is not, not in that milieu uh, the reason being that um, uh, what you just said strikes me as sort of first amendment ish and there's nothing wrong with it but uh, the person, the person who who knows people in in politics in D.C. or wherever, who covers it, who who makes a practice of of analyzing and, and reporting daily, uh, has uh, better juice than somebody like me. I read the New York Times and I, I form opinions largely based on that and reading some other papers. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not gathering first. Uh, first line uh, information sources. I'm not. All right. Well,
1: let, let me uh, let me try and uh, uh, decompose the, what you're just saying, uh, so that what I'm trying to say. I don't think that it's about the First Amendment. Uh, it, it may well be, and I just don't understand uh, the connection that you're making there. But let's just say that uh, that aside. Uh, when I listen to George Will, I find him. Uh, to be uh, authoritative for me, not just because of his uh, conservatism and uh, uh, relative uh, expertise. Uh, you know, this is his business. This is what he does. Uh, he's a professional pundit, uh, etc. But I also, in addition to that, I find it fascinating when somebody who has a different political perspective than i do namely conservative as opposed to whatever the hell i am uh i find it fascinating when those two uh when the result of those perspectives overlaps or conjoins i find that uh very valuable that as, as in a network yeah exactly the it, it's coming from uh, you know, I have respect for George Will, uh, but sometimes I, as with other commentators, like, uh, for example, Hugh Hewitt, I believe that's his name, who is, uh, you know, basically a voice of the uh, opposition from my perspective. Uh, He converts some of his intelligence into a particularly... uh, Journeyman kind of uh, practical uh, advocacy that I don't find as compelling. Whereas I I don't get that same impression with uh, uh, with George Will, uh, because George Will seems to uh, when things get bad politically, uh, he seems to jump over to. A perspective that aligns much more with me than some of the so-called liberal commentators, uh, you know that uh, I'm used to uh, paying attention to.
0: All that is well and good Mike, and, and valid, um, but my only point is is that uh, just picking two random people. George will would be a more important note in the network than then me or you. Uh, but uh, my point was initially
1: was, uh, that, uh, I, I think you're underestimating the power of your process in terms of reading the New York times and other publications and, uh, in addition to that, a, a history of reading books and uh, uh, doing research that adds up to a perspective that I don't have, and then finding that aligning uh, or not with uh, with where I'm coming from, I find that immensely valuable.
0: Well, thanks, and- I, I, I agree. It is immensely valuable. Um, but, uh, and and in a micro network, um, if if George Will and I were on the same in the same network, we'd I'm sure be able to trade some ideas, and uh, we might be able to influence each other. Who knows? Um, but uh, and if
1: that was then published or interacted with on a the implicit micro network that uh, we sense uh, is, exists, uh, then it would produce even more network effects.
0: It would indeed. It would indeed. However, my original point still remains, and it is that uh, uh, the star power of one George Will uh, is greater than the star power of you or me, at least at this point in our careers. Yeah, but uh, star power is a
1: function of uh, getting people to listen. Whereas if we're in a conversation uh, with, uh, you know, in a group, a micro network of people that uh, share an interest in the uh, information rather than the star power, uh, I mean, I can give you the names of a number of... uh, pundits that have a lot of star power that uh, I don't think are additive to uh, a network of this kind. So uh, at some point, uh, you know, perhaps it's a redefinition of what star power, star power is that's, uh, you know, called for because uh, I don't think that, I think there needs to be a certain Uh, ability to be able to include and incentivize people to join the network. Uh, uh, But I don't necessarily think that the star power is the... uh, I think there need to be those kinds of people uh, because they lend uh, a, a certain authority to people that people are not necessarily aware of. But I think that's an initial... Kind of thing, and if they if they are engaged with each other, uh, I think that the cumulative star power carries the
0: day. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I, I think I may have gotten us off on the wrong track, um, assuming that there was an audience. But in a micro network, as I'm envisioning it, as as I understand it. Um, the audience is, is the participants so um two people or or 50 people in a network uh bring more or less or at least have more or less the same credibility and bring uh, bring their own star power and in fact um don't don't participate unless they feel that, uh, the other people in the, in the network are, uh, you know, pulling their own weight. In other words, right. you wouldn't get George will on a, uh, a, a call like this unless, uh, he thought that, okay, this is, this is a good group of people that, uh, I can engage with and trade ideas with. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I respect the way they think. But on the other hand, uh,
1: just using George Will's. uh, cachet uh, in this conversation already produces a certain credibility uh, that's based on people noticing uh, who follow George Will and over time, I mean, he's now an MSNBC contributor, uh, and as as such, uh, from time to time, he appears, and the quality and the tone and the tenor of his Uh, Analysis, uh, you know, it it, it tends to evolve uh, while at the same time holding to certain kind of rigid uh, or you know well defined uh, thought patterns that he's yes of that uh, continues to. Emerge because there are people on panels with him, for example, uh, or the host of a show that frequently brings him in, like Lawrence O'Donnell does uh, from time to time, and there are various people who do that on the MSNBC network. Uh, it over time it tends to uh, introduce to my awareness, people that I wasn't necessarily aware of before, not because they either agree or disagree with him, but because they, uh, they interact in a way that sort of includes them implicitly in the value proposition of George Will in addition to them. And that kind of additive quality may be uh, related to what you're thinking of in terms of this uh, expansion of Metcalfe's uh, law. Does that make sense?
0: It certainly does. As a matter of fact, it it actually um, comes at something else that I've been noodling with and and talking about to a few friends recently, and it is that um, the Democratic Party, as long as we're talking politics, needs to uh, spin up a credible uh, conservative wing. Not not the conservative wing of the Jim Crow era, but a conservative wing based on true conservative Burkean and conservatism, um, George will. And because, because, because that could model, uh, a, a dialogue between both ends of the spectrum, liberal and conservative, that, uh, would help a lot of people understand the world around them, uh, in a way that, uh, uh, pure conservatives can't right now because they've, they basically, uh, Turned off their they they basically turn off their prefrontal cortex whenever they go to a rally or, or uh, get drink too much Trump Kool Aid. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so- I find uh, myself yelling at the TV constantly, uh, particularly on MSNBC, which is what I largely watch, because of their tendency to reduce things to horse races uh, rather than and you know. Uh, you know, a perfect example to me is uh, the so-called coverage of the horse races in Georgia and uh, uh, Florida. Uh, and by extension, the situation with uh, uh, Beta O'Rourke in Texas, where uh, it's my uh, effective analysis, intuition about Georgia and Florida is, is that it really doesn't make much difference. Uh, these recounts are basically going to validate uh, whatever uh, has already happened. That there's not going to be some substantial change in the outcome of the election. Whereas, uh, I mean, you know, maybe it would be uh, exciting and uh, certainly for the news networks uh, that the horse race flips suddenly as a result of legal action or whatever, but that uh, uh, by contrast, I think that the real significance of the election so far has been uh, in an instance where there are uh, uh, emergent characteristics characteristics of uh, the left uh, in states like Texas where they basically don't have a chance, uh, that coming up to a tie or uh, close to a tie is the news, is the horse race, and and that's already decided. And that there are some uh, elements of that success that Beto O'Rourke had and that uh, uh, the... Governor, governor, gubernatorial candidate uh, in, uh, Mich- I'm sorry, uh, Georgia had, uh, which is that they're bringing along uh, a, a, an elevated number of uh, voters that have, in the case of Beto O'Rourke, literally flipped two House seats. Yes. So, So there's a substantial political change that's underway uh, and that the media's focus is toward what's essentially an old story uh, that really has no particular impact and certainly no insight.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I think the media's job is to report the facts as they change. Uh, And sometimes it's not very glamorous and it's not very um, interesting to look at. So you can't you can't do analysis all the time. You need fresh data to do analysis. I know,
1: but I mean, you know, uh, my point would be that their business model is to keep people uh, tuned in, or uh, assuming that if they come in at the top of the hour, they're going to get the latest news, and that then if something happens while they're actually watching, fine. But eventually, it's going to the hour is going to turn to the next hour and you're gonna get the same basic information, which then devolves into uh, the headlines of horse race. When in fact, uh, the fundamental news is, uh, that's important is not about the horse race. It's about the effects
0: of a horse race. And so it it would be your point, I think, uh, that micro networks are better uh, at this, because they don't require you to stay engaged for an hour and, and uh, recapitulate the, uh, the last twenty-four hours in, in, in news, but only to, uh, to disseminate and consume uh, that which is breaking. Right. I mean,
1: I feel I feel that there's that we're approaching. At least I am uh, a, a, a reluctance to listen to this kind of uh, hour by hour recycling of the same uh, information. Uh, and it, it's causing me to basically use the mute button a lot. And what I think that represents is, is that there's uh, a different kind of uh, communications, uh, you know, political network that could emerge that isn't based on this repetitive uh, 24-hour on-demand cycle, but rather perhaps a uh, notification-based. When something happens, uh, you have indicated to the network, uh, to the micro-network, your interest in hearing about that, and you get the notification, and then you tune in.
0: Yeah, but then you're... You're, you have to you have to start talking about or defining um, why it is somebody wants to tune in in the first place yeah uh, I think it I think it's short-sighted to think it's it's just to capture uh data uh, the latest data and the newest data. Uh, well I think a lot of people tune in for analysis to to see how oh, I,
1: I absolutely i I don't disagree what I'm saying though is, is that the indi- the information that's derived from a network that's based on uh, signaling uh, when something uh, interesting is happening uh, produces a lot of metadata, which can be used to basically define what you're interested in hearing about. And that includes analysis.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. But does it ever, does it ever become uh... Stifling and and um, does it does it ever crowd out new ideas? Uh,
1: well, that would be a, a, a answer to your own question. Does it? I think it? I think the answer is yeah, it could. So give me an example of how uh, moving from an economic model that's based on uh, uh, broadcasting. Uh, repeatedly a certain attitude about what's happening, you know, namely Fox or MSNBC or CNN, uh, uh, you know, based on uh, conflict and uh, horse races, moving to a model that's based more on insight and, uh, and less on, uh, I mean, the mute button to me is, my way of saying uh, I want to be able to be notified by vi- you know visually for the most part, if something's happening via a crawl at the bottom of the screen and then turn the audio on and listen to it as opposed to being locked into uh, the notion of capturing the audience and, you know, the surveillance network aspects of that. I think it's an important distinction and whether or not that's, uh, uh, eliminating serendipity. I don't know that that's uh,
0: the case. Okay, well, that's interesting. I, I it seems seems like that's a lot of work. I mean, it, it, how is that different from um, a couple of generations ago, sit, sitting around listening to uh, the uh, uh, police channel scanners um, on your front porch on a warm summer night? Well, I think what's different is, is that now
1: there are real-time social networks that basically have uh, uh, the ability to aggregate uh, similar like-minded uh, uh, groups of implicit micro-networks that will uh, you use as a surrogate for sitting there uh, listening to the police channel until something happens.
0: mm. Um okay I um uh, I don't know what to say I don't I don't know what to say about that I mean part of me part of me is a little concerned about how new ideas creep into this um this scenario okay go ahead oh that's the whole of it I I'm concerned I'm concerned that uh this, this will only uh, exacerbate the echo chamber problem that we have. But uh, what
1: about the current model, uh, either limits or, uh, you know, how does the current model uh, respond to new ideas?
0: Well, it doesn't, you have to pull yourself out of it and, and, and go listen to something else or watch something else. But uh, in point of fact, not too many people do that because they're um, they're more or less they're more or less fixed in their their world view, and they're happy they're happy to be um, bucketed, which is one reason why I like reading a newspaper because you read a newspaper, all of the news is there. Uh, you might not read all of the news, you might only scan the headlines, but at least you know that there's other stuff going on.
1: But remember that what you brought up was something that you've been talking about with some people recently, which is the idea of uh, introducing a a more conservative view uh, into uh, a network uh, environment so that uh, you know to avoid the uh, extensions on the left and the right that end up, you know, basically people shouting past each other rather than actually uh, learning something or improving their their situation. So, uh, uh, I, and I thought that was uh, a really interesting insight, which is why I started talking about these. Uh, the mute button basically is my reaction to what's currently happening. Is that there's uh, a problem there, which for people who of uh, you know apparently uh, left-leaning leaning, uh, philosophies uh, are finding the the value of these conversations tainted by this kind of polarization
0: yeah um yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what you do about that I mean
1: it... Well, I just suggested what you do about it. you don't sit there uh, with uh the, with the mute button off you move to a, a a different model, so what you would then reply to as far as and I, again I'm tr- trying not to state what you think, but rather how I am hearing what you think. Uh, you move to a discussion about you know the basically the fake news problem, which is uh, that uh, how do you uh, how do you avoid the polarization problem, which I think is a separate question if the first if the existing solution is not avoiding that, uh, what about what i'm talking about in terms of a movement toward Uh, you know, a different mechanism that's based on uh, uh, moving away from the macro network uh, eyeballs, attention model uh, in terms of advertising towards something that's more interactive. Uh, You know, that may be happening or maybe should happen. So how do we, we still have the same problem that you're talking about, which is the Uh, the echo chamber problem.
0: Well, I don't know if it's a a problem that gets solved with uh, this technology or that technology. I think it's a problem that's as old as humanity. Um, People dig in and and have a set view and don't want to change it. And technology just accelerates the the rise of, of emotion and uh, causes people to be uh a little more rabid, maybe a lot more rabid um, yeah, you go back 100, 150 years people people were just as uh intently uh, fixed on their own their own viewpoints, but uh they were conveniently isolated they were not in networks they were in small towns across the landscape and it was, it, was, it was relatively rare. For for them to uh, interact, and uh, with a little more regularity, uh, things like the mail and newspapers uh, arrived and, and sort of cross-pollinated uh, ideas, but on a, a, a much slower at a much slower rate on a on a more uh, fine-grained basis. Okay, so let me
1: take uh, one more uh, uh, approach at what you were talking about when you talked about uh, this uh, theory that you have about uh, instituting a, a more conservative approach. Can you explain to me how that would work to improve the, uh, uh, the idea generation and the thought process? I'm, uh, I'm,
0: I'm simply advocating that uh, that we don't, uh, that we don't pick sides based on shirts and skins and that, uh, uh, we put some shirts on some people and we take some shirts off other people and, and, and let them play together. And, uh, what, what's not happening right now is, uh, people don't understand where, where each other, uh, is coming from. And as a consequence, a lot of, uh, a lot of assumptions get made a lot of incorrect assumptions and, and, and you know, you're off to the races with, with um, really incomplete knowledge, incomplete information. What I'm saying is, is that it, it, we have to find a way to tone down the rhetoric and ex- truly exchange ideas again, uh, doing exchanges in, in ways that we haven't done in a long time. Uh, since the, the internet age really began or since social media began <coughs> excuse me um, and one way to do that is to um, is to invite uh, people with different viewpoints into um, the discussion maybe you do that with uh, with micro networks certainly that's a possibility um, but even more important is you have to have a you have to have a group of people of goodwill who are not simply there to uh, score debating points and to win uh, whatever that means an uh, argument. Um, right,
1: and and the, the so everything you just said I completely agree with, uh, but I also think that the uh, the current broadcasting model. Uh, incentivizes and uh, pays off uh, for more conflict rather than less. So uh, what is the vehicle for actually having that kind of dialogue, and how do you get from here to there is what I'm asking.
0: Well, if I knew that, I'd probably be a, a, a wealthier and happier person, or, or at least wealth. well. Uh, I don't
1: know. know. Uh, now we're going back to the, you know, to the uh, star power uh, discussion. And, you know, uh, I think that you've made a really good case for uh, what would be more productive. The question is, is are there blockers in place in the current economic model of media that prevent that from happening? It seems that that's the case.
0: Well, two things. Number one. Uh, Yes. Uh, And number two, uh, I'm I'm kind of like noodling on this uh, out loud. So uh, I don't promise that everything I I haven't got this all sorted through. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's, obviously there's a profit model involved and uh, uh, it involves having having eyeballs. Uh, The more eyeballs, the better. uh, So you can charge uh, the most for for uh, advertising space. I get that. Uh, the but there's another equation
1: uh, uh, that I think is emerging which is uh, the amount of time being supported by uh, the so called eyeball model is increasingly uh, uh, glut uh, and is difficult to consume and uh, forces out value
0: oh yeah you know um <laughs> i i forget who was on uh msnbc last night but uh uh the word peak tv came up and um uh, that made me uh, that made my ears perk up because uh you know i'm a i'm a i'm a a a, a fan of of economic cycles and uh I think about peak oil a lot. Uh, so peak TV was, was, uh, very interesting to me, but what, what, what they were talking about is, is that, you know, we've got this glut of, uh, pretty good TV these days, uh, pretty good everything, uh, scripted shows there are more scripted shows now than there ever have been. And it, it gets to be, um, impossible. And it has been for a long time, uh, impossible to, uh, to see all of it or even most of it there's there's so much so you know you look at that and you think um it what can't can something like a micro network um serve to help uh get through some of that glut not not to serve to help you um see it all but if you're if you're able to check in and check out and only get uh, the salient points that you want, then uh, you will either be able to do more, uh, do more checking in and checking out, or or you'll you'll receive a a, a returned time benefit. Uh, in other words, time returned to you that you can do other things within your day. Well, I think that's a good way to
1: end this uh, particular. Uh conversation and pick up on it uh, from this point moving forward
0: all right sounds good to me this has been very interesting and stimulating likewise dennis Palmbrand. thank you sir steve gilmar always a pleasure